0: Hello and welcome to Remotely Working, the podcast where we discuss productivity, intentional living, health, and leadership for remote workers with the goal of helping you integrate your life and work well. My name is Justin DeRose, your host and the founder of Effective Remote Work. This week's guest is Sean Blanc of Blanc Media. Sean runs a number of sites on the web, including his personal blog, seanblanc.net, the Suite Setup, a site empowering Apple users with great tools and strategies to work better, and The Focus Course, Block Media's premier course on living a focused life. I'm very excited to share this conversation with you, but first, be sure to stick around to the end of the episode because we will have two special announcements to share with you. Now, let's get into the conversation. Well, Sean, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. To start off with, would you tell us a little bit about yourself and what your company Blanc Media does?
1: Yeah. So, oh gosh, well, I'm in Kansas City, um, uh, married uh, 15 years, just celebrated our 15 year anniversary. Well, congratulations. Uh, thank you. My wife and I have three boys and let's see, Blanc Media is, well, it started as a very nerdy blog. Uh, just Seanblanc.net back in the day. Um, And we're just kind of on the side, just like a hobby that I was doing just for fun, just enjoyed writing and uh, just connecting with people on the internet and, you know, things like that. And uh, eventually it just turned into something that I was able to take full time. And that was back in 2011. So I uh, used to be creative director and marketing director for a pretty large nonprofit here in Kansas city. And, um, just kind of wanted to move on and do something different. I want to have a little bit more flexibility with my schedule. wanted to um, have a little bit more, um, just be present at home more. My wife and I were ready to start having kids at that time, and so I was like, "Hey, I've got this blog going on this side. <laughs> Maybe I should quit my job and uh, blog for a living." So that's exactly what I did, and that was 2011. And then uh, things have kind of grown since then, just in terms of the websites that we have. So. It was just SeanBlanc.net at first. And I just wrote a lot about Apple and design and kind of that creativity space and um, some productivity stuff there. And then uh, expanded out a little bit to another website called Tools and Toys. And then another website called uh, The Suite Setup. And then um, did an online course called The Focus Course. And so each of these now like kind of exists sort of um, as like sibling websites in a way. Uh, but they also kind of each stand on their own as well. So we've got the four websites now, and it's uh, it's a lot of fun. We got uh, several full time people that work here, as well as uh, some contractors that are sort of on retainer that contribute some specific things, like specific photography, or kind of do a specific column for one of the sites, um, things like that. So that is sort of the like the quick picture of what it is and how it all how it all fits together.
0: Yeah, I've been watching uh, Blanc Media grow into what it is for a number of years now. I I remember following you before you went full-time with SeanBlanc.net and then watching you launch Tools and Toys. It's been really fun over the course of the last number of years watching that business grow and change and evolve and you bringing more people on. Now, Blanc Media is uh, a remote company primarily, right? Yeah,
1: primarily we've got a few people. I I'm here in Kansas City, and uh, my first full time employee, uh, his name's Isaac. He I heard I heard him in 2016, I think, and he was in Kansas City. And uh, and then our office manager and our uh, director of customer support, she uh, Joanna. She's also here in Kansas City. Um, But everybody else is somewhere else in the country or even um, other countries. We have uh, like Rosemary Orchard uh, works for us and she's over in the UK. And we got uh, Josh Ginter and Marius Masaler. They're uh, both up in Canada. Um, So we got people all over the place now. (laughs) So it's fun.
0: Yeah, it is super fun. I mean, I work full time for Discourse and we've got people all over the world too. It's really fun to just engage with people who work in a different context or culture even in the different viewpoints and things that they bring to the table relating to technology or whatever it is that um, we're dealing with or discussing that day. Um, Was there anything in particular that led you to uh, more of a semi-remote company style? Was it just the fact that it was a natural progression from being an online web-based business?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So the, the semi-remote aspect of it is um, I'll kind of like start in the middle and then go back to the beginning. But uh, when I hired Isaac back in 2016, I was very adamant. I'm like, I want someone who is local. I want someone here in Kansas City. Because for me, uh, I was working just out of my home office for several years. And I think five or six years at that point, um, I'd been doing this full-time. And I had different people, like uh, the first person I ever kind of hired on a like a consistent basis, uh, like as a regular contractor, like a retainer contractor was Stephen Hackett, who, uh, you guys may know, he is like the co-founder of Relay FM now. And, um, this was years and years ago, back when he was, um, just not as famous and, but equally as amazing as he is now. Um, but anyways, so he was helping me with, doing some stuff on tools and toys. And then that kind of progressed and he began helping me with some stuff we were doing on the suite setup. And he was actually kind of like the chief editor of the suite setup for a while. Um, and he was just like a good friend. And so I'm like, Hey, would you be willing to help me with this website? So like you said, kind of this progression of being an internet based business and kind of knowing all these people, like they were online, but After several years of working with Steven and then Chris Gonzalez, Josh Ginter, Jeff Abbott, some of these ones that were um, kind of regularly helping and working. uh, I'm working in my home office. I was like, I kind of want somebody who I can like see (laughs) and like interact with and communicate with in person. And I sort of began missing a little bit of that, that in person uh, just connection. And so as uh, I was looking to make my first full-time hire, I felt like I wanted to hire someone in Kansas City that was local. And so I uh, was able to find and come across Isaac Smith through uh, some mutual friends. And he's just been a fantastic addition to the team. And so uh, he, we have a—I um, kind of have like a separate dedicated office. It's still out of my home, uh, but it's got like its own separate entrance. And it's uh, kind of a little bit of a larger space. And so he comes in. Well, right now he doesn't come in at all, uh, just because of everyone's staying home. But uh, normally he would be coming in a couple of days a week. So he'll he'll come into the office usually Monday, Wednesday, Friday, uh, and then he'll work from a coffee shop or work from his house on Tuesday, Thursday, and then I get the, the space to myself on Tuesday, Thursday as well. So it's sort of like this, uh, you know, combination of remote slash uh, having like a local. Spot to work, and then with Joanne as well, she comes in a couple days a week, and then works from home uh, several days a week as well. So it's kind of that mix. And Then everyone else is remote. Mike Schmitz, uh, he's remote, um, etc. So
0: yeah, that's that's really cool to have it structured like that. I know for me, I I started off remote work in like the corporate world where we. Everything was super synchronous and you know we always had mm-hmm. calls and all that fun stuff that we had to be on at specific times and everybody had to clock in at eight o'clock in the morning and leave at five o'clock at night and moving into more of a asynchronous type work culture for one it was kind of a shock for me but two it was something that I, I found really liberating you know you talk about that freedom that flexibility that comes with having a You know, a more remote work style company culture. It's really cool to hear, too, that your workers are, even if the ones that you have in Kansas City there with you, they come into the office a few days a week, but they're still, you know, investing time, you know, being at home or working wherever works best for them part of the time, too. Now, I think you guys do something really interesting with the way you do projects and work at Blanc Media. You tend to pick a project for a Few weeks, and then you take a sabbatical week or a week, right? It's a week that you take for a sabbatical. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Which I think is fun because it, it's kind of a mushing of ideas from Basecamp and from Sean West. So, when you do this, what does it look like for your company and what ultimately led you to take this approach to doing work?
1: Yeah, this is great. So, we've been doing these work cycles. So we call it, so it's like a work cycle and it's a total of eight weeks is the whole cycle. And then it just repeats, uh, over and over and over. And like you said, so yeah, it's kind of this mashup between, uh, something that we learned from, uh, Jason Freed and the guys at Basecamp, and then, uh, Sean McCabe and what he's been doing with his, uh, seven week sabbaticals. So we were, uh, a couple of years ago, I think beginning of 2017, um, Isaac and I took the train. We went up to Chicago and we were at a workshop at the uh, base camp headquarters in Chicago, which they actually no longer have. They shut down their, their local office. So they're completely remote now.
0: Yeah, I heard but, that.
1: Um, they were hosting these workshops from time to time up there. And I think we actually got to go to the last one they ever had. Um, They might've had one more, but just really, really excellent. And they were basically explaining, this was sort of the, um, they were just in the early stages as well of sort of beginning to uh, flesh out sort of the structure behind what they uh, just came out with this online book called Shape Up. And uh, just excellent structure, really great approach to like project management and shipping your work and stuff like that. And they were so kind of just sharing some of these ideas around uh, what's what you can now find in their book, the Shape Up book. And I think if you go to, I don't know for sure, I'm guessing if you go to slash Shape Up or or you just Google it. Anyways, so they talked about, I'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah, you you got it. You got it. So they were talking about these six week cycles that they do. And they'll uh, each team, they've got these little teams uh, of usually one or two designers and one or two developers. And they will work on a specific project, such as like updating the way that uh, like the sign up flow works for Basecamp or whatever, I, you know, whatever the project they're working on, that's going to improve uh, the product itself or something that's related to it. So they will take, they'll say, this is kind of the scope. This is what we want to do. And then they work on that for six weeks. And then at the end of six weeks, they ship it, like they're done with it. And obviously this doesn't work for 100% of the stuff they're doing. Like if the, you know, they're working on like the next big version of Basecamp itself, like their, their entire core product is not going to be rebuilt in six weeks, but they'll do like chunks of it and work on that on the side or or stuff like that. But um, for the most part, their teams work in these six week cycles where they have a clearly defined goal and then a time constraint and then they got to ship something at the end. And so uh, maybe like the initial uh, idea of what they want to build it ends up being a lot more grandiose than what they are reasonably able to get out the door in six weeks. And so their approach was that instead of extending the deadline and just working for longer to uh, in order to ship the initial idea, like instead we, we scale back the idea and make it smaller or make it simpler so that we can still ship something by the end of the six weeks. And this was just like, wait, what? I remember the first time I heard it, it felt so foreign. I was like, what do you mean you like you simplify and you reduce and you make it less awesome and you make it, uh, you know, a more basic version of what you originally had. Uh, you know, for me, I'm all always about like, here's the grand, wonderful, beautiful idea that's massive and it's, it's this or nothing. And so we will, however long it takes, it doesn't matter. This is what we're going to get out the door <clears throat> and just completely changing our approach to that uh, to more similar with Basecamp, where you take the six weeks and you ship whatever you can within the six weeks. And two things that's really incredible about this is that for one, like you're just focused and it's just more fun. It's more um, you. You are just less stressed uh, during the, the work process because you've got just one main thing you're trying to work on. So you're really able to dive into the the unique challenges and the problems and all the sort of ancillary stuff that you come across when you're working on just one thing at a time. Uh, you're able to go deep and really kind of. Um, get lost in the weeds in a good way, so to speak with this project. Like you just become sort of that project as you're working on it. And then uh, the other advantage is that when you're done after six weeks and you ship a version of it, you've got something out the door, you're done. Uh, Basecamp does, they talk about this idea of work debt. And it's this idea that if you ship something that works at the end of six weeks, you're done with it. Um, You no longer have a commitment. Like you didn't like get halfway done and then sort of like almost finish and not quite, but you're not done yet. So you still have more work to do to get out the door, right? Or you like ship a broken part or like only a a portion that doesn't actually really work the way it should. And so you still have more work to do. Uh, Like Basecamp doesn't do any of this stuff. They're like, we don't have any work debt. So then at the end of their six weeks, they ship the project and they're done with it. And maybe they want to come back and iterate on it and build upon it. But whatever it is that they ship is a working version that solves the core problem they were trying to solve in some way. And maybe it's not as awesome or maybe it's more awesome than they originally thought, but they're done with it. And then the advantage there is uh, if you want to move on to something else, you can, like you don't have this uh, work debt that is requiring you to come back and continue to work on something that you don't want to work on. And additionally, um, so often, like we just, you learn from something, right? Like as you build it and then put it out there and then your customers or your users or your audience, whomever it is, begins interacting with it, uh, you learn about what really matters and maybe what doesn't. And so instead of just wasting your time building this perfect version that maybe takes you six months, you get it out the door, only discover that perhaps 50% of what you were working on doesn't matter anyways. And so by getting something out the door sooner and having it encounter real life, you're able to uh, more quickly figure out what actually matters and what doesn't. And then if you want to build on it and iterate, you can build and iterate on the things that matter um, and focus on that based on actual user feedback and actual customer feedback instead of just what your gut told you was going to matter. Um, so that's kind of two really huge advantages of the six-week cycles. And I realize I'm going uh, kind of deep in here, the bigger picture. So after the six-week cycle, so we adopted that and we do that. And then the Sean West model, Sean McCabe is a good friend of mine, and he does a sabbatical, a one-week sabbatical every seventh week. And he's like, just the same way that you take a day off, uh, there's a sabbatical, like a Sabbath day of the week. Uh, you He's like, let's take... Some uh, time off on a regular, like weekly schedule, too. So, like every seventh week. And I'm like, hey, what if we just put these two things together, just kind of mash them together? Um, and so we adjusted ours to be eight weeks. So, we do our six weeks of that focus to work. And then we have one week, we call it a buffer. And this is for us to wrap up uh, any remaining loose ends from our six week project cycle, um, as well as to plan and prepare for what we're going to focus on next. And then just kind of like, you know, tidy up, clean up, and then take a week and have a vacation or a sabbatical, and then come back and then start our next six week focus work cycle. Um, so that's the whole eight weeks. Six weeks of focus work, one week of buffer, one week sabbatical. Repeat.
0: I think that is an amazing, uh, innovative approach to things. I mean, there are rhythms of rest and work that we need. I mean, obviously, you work part of the day, you are home part of the day, you rest part of the day and sleep. And then, I mean, it just makes sense that a company would need to find a rhythm of this at some capacity Two, um, a interesting question or a couple questions with that anyway, is one, how have you found that this is, uh, affected the work that you're doing at Blanc Media and two, how has this affected your employees?
1: That's a great question. So, um, for us, so we've been doing it for, let's see, we began in the beginning of 2017. So 2017, 18, 2019. So three plus years now uh, that we've been doing these work cycles and the, the fruit of it has been, at least in my experience, incredible. So, uh, a lot of advantages, um, for one, like we're just focused like a lot more because, um, we have this, in, like it's built in like planning. What we're going to work in is, uh, work on is built into the very like structure of the business now of every, that seventh week after a focused work cycle, we have time to plan and prepare for the next cycle. So like what we're going to work on. And so kind of having these shorter feedback loops is really helpful for us because that way, uh, Uh, like we work for six weeks and then evaluate, like, what have we learned? What do we did? What, what uh, traction have we gotten? What worked well? What didn't work well? And we can answer those questions and then keep moving. And so it helps us to continually move forward, make sure that we're working on the stuff that we're excited about that we want to. And then also for me as kind of the the boss, the CEO, I am like a very um, idea person. I'll have just 50 ideas on my way, like from upstairs to the downstairs office, like just, uh, I, I'm just always thinking of stuff and, um, Greg McKeown in his book essentialism, he has this diagram, uh, where, uh, it's two circles side by side. And one of the circles has an arrow basically pointing in all 360 degrees of the, the circle. So an arrow pointing in every single direction. And each arrow represents your um, energy and kind of your attention where you're focusing on. And he's like, when this is what it it looks like, every arrow is just barely out of the circle, like just a very short, you know, it's, it's half of an inch long, um, and not making a lot of progress and just being pulled in every direction and not really going anywhere. And he goes, this compared to when you have singular focus and you've said no, To most things so that you can say yes to just one thing and so then next to it is a circle with just one arrow pointing forward and it's like the length of the entire page it's like this is the sort of progress that you make when you're focused on one thing at a time and so for me these work cycles have helped me and the team to focus on one thing at a time so basically new ideas have to wait uh, so that's been really helpful for us is that focus. So the overall result it, for us has been a huge increase in uh, like just morale as a team. Uh, like there's just something about knowing that, hey, every other month we get a week off of basically paid vacation uh, and having that built in is really helpful. And it's also helpful because it means like we're a company that treats it's workers, like myself included, uh, we treat everybody with respect, meaning uh, we work hard, we work for six weeks, we focus, we make a plan for what's coming next. And then like the fruit of that is we got a lot of work done in a six-week period. And so instead of just getting right back at it and be like, awesome, like six weeks of hard work, followed by six more weeks of hard work, followed by six more weeks of hard work, followed by six more weeks of hard work, followed by like a couple of days at the end of the year, of time off in between christmas and new year and then back at it right like that is an unsustainable pace and uh, a lot of companies that's what they expect they they want 100 output from its entire team 100 of the time and you just can't sustain that you've got to have time to recover and so for us building in that week of sabbatical it is the recovery time and it tells the whole company everyone that works here we say work hard for six weeks. Well, then we will plan. We'll get around it for what's coming next. And then because we got so much done in six weeks, we're taking a break. We're going to recover. We're going to rest and then come back. And then we can go at give 100% again for six more weeks because we took that time to rest and that time to recover. Like it's just it's critical. We all need it. We all got to sleep in the, in the evenings at night. We all got to take a break on the weekends. Like our bodies need that. And then same on the higher scale, having that time um, to rest and recover is just so helpful. So it boosts morale. It helps us to focus on the right things. Um, And we've seen growth in uh, revenue as well. Like after uh, we began doing this in 2017, uh, 2018 was a huge year for us. 2019 uh, was a huge year for us. You know, it was just growth over growth over growth. And so, um it's been it's been great to to be doing these um these cycles and the, the way that it's built the morale helped with the focus, et cetera. That's kind of the the advantages that we've seen so far.
0: Yeah. I mean you talk about it being an unsustainable model to push, 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 push without a break. I mean, you're you're very right. There's a lot of uh companies that tend to expect that, but I think it's James Clear who talks about that you always pay the price. It's either you pay it up front or you pay it later uh you yeah. know where like he he uses the analogy of lifting weights where if he just pushes super hard one day or a couple days and then he's just completely wore out you know the rest of the week and he can't keep up with it but if he goes to a sustainable level every single day but not completely maxing out then he can sustainably continue to lift weights and and perform the work so to say so having that rhythm and rest, and where you're intensely focusing on one thing, but then you're intensely not focusing. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we've been talking a lot about the company as a whole, but a lot of our audience here are remote workers. They're not necessarily decision makers in a company. They're the people who are contributing. So even if they don't necessarily have a company culture where you know you've got these cycles of work, or where there's more space for rest, what is something that someone like myself can do to start to build rhythms of focus and rest and margin to be able to more sustainably work long-term?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I know uh, my friend Sean McCabe has written about this. Um, He's got a website called sabbatical.blog and they've uh got, he's gone into some some the questions exactly like this. It says, "Hey, I want to do kind of more regular sabbaticals or regular time off, but how how do I incorporate that when my schedule for my company doesn't necessarily allow it?" And so I think a huge one, and, and Sean's talked about this as well, uh, is basically being intentional with perhaps like your weekend or when you do have time off, and say, "Okay, I'm going to do some sort of thing on the weekends that helps me," or Maybe you can take your vacation days and say, "Hey, every other month, I'm going to do a four day uh, uh, weekend where I'm going to take a couple of pay- vacation days. You know, uh, stack them up and do four day weekends, and basically just use this time as as a chance to unwind and and do your uh, your sabbatical time to truly rest. And so, a huge, uh, you know, no matter when you're doing it, I think it can be helpful if you are resting well. Right. So, uh, so, you know, building in the rhythms for rest, building in the rhythms for focus margin as part of our kind of day to day life where we're just naturally have that focus, uh, naturally having opportunity and time that's set aside to rest naturally having margin, um, like you kind of get these things slowly. And uh, so you don't have to have the eight week cycles and the, the whole week long sabbatical. Like it, that's great, but there's other things and lots of companies and lots of people have been working um, other ways uh, than this for a long time and are, are able to, to do it okay. So I don't think you have to be like, oh, what well, was me? I wish, I wish I had a week off every week. I mean, it's awesome for sure, but uh, you can still thrive in other schedules. So I think the big thing is just... Uh, like making small progress on certain areas and then just trying to stick with it over time. So, uh, I, I think with the rest, when you find things that can help you to truly recharge um, and actually, after you've done, you're done doing whatever task that was or activity, whatever restful activity it was, you actually feel recovered, you actually feel rested and recharged as opposed to feeling uh, just more lethargic and more zoned out. Like finding the things that help you. And then, like, creating the space for those and actually doing those on a regular basis. So, for me, something that I do uh, on the, the evenings a lot and on the weekends is I love working in my garage. So, either doing woodwork and building furniture, or I've got an old uh, Jeep CJ7 that I like to do wrenching on and, and working on that. And, like, that's something where I'm out, I'm not in front of a screen, I'm working with tools, I'm using my hands, and it's not like it's still creative work. I'm still doing something, but it's a completely different mode of of work so it's for me it's just a lot more restful uh and it's just enjoyable and then afterwards i feel like oh, i feel like i did something <laughs> you know like i don't know uh, this past weekend we built some raised bed gardens uh in our backyard and we had some dirt delivered to our driveway just like three cubic yards of compost garden dirt huge tractor rolls up dumps it on our driveway and I think it was something like 75 wheelbarrow trips that I had to make basically moving that dirt from the driveway around the back of my house, through the whole backyard, all the way to the end, dumping it into the raised bed and just moving this dirt like one wheelbarrow at a time. And it was like so satisfying. To be, like, I took this giant pile of dirt and I used my muscles to get it from here to over there. And like, I don't know, like something about that is just it just feels good. It feels restful. And you know, when I was done, I came inside. I literally just like collapsed onto the the floor inside the front door and just like laid there for like 20 minutes. <laughs> it just was, I don't know. It was just, it just feels good. So having stuff like that, where afterwards it just feels good to have done it. You feel accomplished. You feel recharged. Um, so that's a huge one with rest uh, for uh, basically kind of building in rhythms of focus. Uh, it, you can do what we do on a daily scale, and actually I do do this on a daily scale of deciding what is most important and when am I going to work on it, and then saying, I'm not going to work on anything else, just this. And obviously that's what we do with our six weeks of focused work, but I also do that on a daily basis and on a weekly basis for myself where I'm saying today my most important task is whenever, it's this thing and I'm going to work on it at this time. And during that time, I'm not going to work on anything else. And it's the same thing. So having that just kind of rhythm of regular focus, you can incorporate this into your day, you can incorporate this into your week, uh, and you know, month, like whatever, it expands out or contracts in however best you want to use it. So this is a great way to uh, kind of stay focused either on the task Uh, on a bigger picture of like, this is the direction we want to be going. And this is how we're going to get there as well as on the, the micro level of going, this is what I'm doing right now. And I'm not going to do anything else. So that's a huge one. And I think you said also like how to build a rhythm with margin, kind of that breathing room. And uh, this is, this is a difficult one. This is, I think a lot of us are feeling this, especially right now with uh, kind of work from home and life at home, stuck at home, sort of quarantine culture right now is uh, finding margin. And a lot of us, I've actually been talking to some folks, um, you know, Jess, I don't know if you can relate to this or not, but like, we're seeing more time available. Like, Hey, I, my schedule is less crazy right now. Like I, you know, my kids aren't in sports. My kids aren't going, my kids aren't even going to school right now. So school is, is different. There's no commute. There's no, zero social obligations, nothing, right? Like every single night we're having dinner at home as a family every night. And so in some ways there's this sudden increase in margin in, in terms of like the schedule and the responsibilities. But yet there's also, I've I've noticed for myself, like other areas of my life, I feel like I have less margin because I'm spending more time uh, wanting to check the news or wanting to check in on Twitter and see what's happening and just uh, spending more time, uh, just at home. So I'm outside less. I'm going to the gym less. I'm, I'm going to the gym zero right now. I'm, I'm with friends zero. And so some of the other things I'm I'm feeling this contraction. And so finding areas of your life that need a little bit of that breathing room and, and figuring out how to incorporate it, uh, can be a huge challenge. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a bigger one to to tackle for sure.
0: For sure. Yeah, I mean I can I can definitely relate with you know feeling that uh, that expansion and contraction a little bit. I mean, I have three little kids at home. They're all four and under, so we don't oh, really man. have much for like school obligations, but yeah, my and my wife is on currently on maternity leave and she's going back to work soon. Um so not too much change for us when all of this lockdown stuff happened, but I definitely noticed that there was definitely more pressure, you know, and and more like attentional space occupied by what's going on in the world around me. And that's you're right; it's a tough thing to figure out. And when we, especially in the United States, have a difficulty slowing down as it is anyway, and you put this outside pressure on us, I feel like one of the things that it's done is it's kind of it's been twofold actually one is it's been more um ex- it, there's been more expansion of margin there which is good and I think people are realizing it's a good thing I think that's why people are saying like hey maybe this remote work thing isn't such a bad thing at all because there's been such resistance to it in a lot of different workplace type cultures but the other side of it too is I think it's really exposed to the fact inside of each one of us that uh maybe we've been a little too busy where we're just filling our lives too full with stuff. Some of it's meaningful. Some of it's maybe not as meaningful. And we're realizing, oh gosh, like we need some space. We, we need to have this place where we can rest. We can regenerate. And I love how you talk about uh, doing other things than you know sitting on a device or something because I know a, like a favorite thing for people to grab when they're feeling tired is they'll sit down on the couch and they'll watch Netflix or they'll you know grab their phone and say I'll just flip through Facebook or Twitter or Instagram for a while And yeah, I've done that before and plenty of times still do uh, but I never feel recharged from that and I, I love how you talk about too like Doing something with your hands or doing something physical because when we work in such a knowledge base or knowledge Work type context. I mean, we're really working our minds, but we're not really doing anything with our bodies I've heard it said before that when you've exhausted yourself mentally Recharge by doing something physical and vice versa. And it's really cool to hear that. Um, that's something that you like to do to recharge
1: Mm Mm-hmm no, that's, that's huge. Yeah. I like that. Like if you, uh, I think I heard it similar, like a, a similar thing with um, if you work with your head, then rest with your hands. Yeah. And yeah, same idea. I love that. Like if you're, if you're tired mentally, then recharge physically. I was just watching this video from, uh, CPG gray and he talks about, it's called like spaceship you. I don't know if you've seen this.
0: I haven't uh, seen it yet, but it's on. It's on my list. I've got my official um, Cortex merch on today as we're recording this. <laughs> nice. I, I'm a big fan of Cortex. It's a great podcast. And yeah, he so his video is basically
1: about uh, you know how to make sure that you're taking care of yourself while you're living in quarantine. And he's like, you've got basically two sides. You've got your physical and your mental. And his he illustrates it beautifully. And he's got some really really awesome analogies that are like just spot on, but basically he's like, when you're drained, like your physical body drains, your mental side will go with it and vice versa. And he was like, when you're feeling drained, the easiest way to get going actually is through physical activity because it's sort of mindless and you can move your body to recover, like to get your body back in shape. He's like, but you can't think your brain back into shape, Uh, which just, he he explains it so excellently. So then, basically very similar context here. So,
0: yeah. And actually uh, one thing I I recall from last year was that that you were really intentional to exercise or do some kind of physical activity like that every single day. Can you Mm -hmm. tell a little bit about that process? Like why you got on that track and what really helped you stay there? Cause I know me, myself, That's an area where I've struggled to keep going on it. But then I know too, like remote workers, it's just something that we all need to keep in mind uh, because we're at home, we're not commuting, we're not necessarily out and about as much as we would be otherwise.
1: I want to say it's been like a year and a half, maybe a little bit more, uh, that I've done uh, basically all three rings on my Apple Watch. And it started sort of on accident. So like back in like, the end of 2018 ish. I, I think like September, um, like I had a pretty good month in September and like I've always sort of been relatively active, uh, but not like super intense about it. And I'll like, you know, I would miss, you know, I'd go like two weeks without going on a run or something like that. And, um, you know, and then do like one run and then two more weeks. And so not like super great, but uh, so a friend of mine basically uh, just closed every ring on his Apple watch for the month of September and I'm like, oh, man, I, I looked at my activity on for, for September. I was like, oh, I you know, I kind of came close. Like I got like several rings closed most days. Uh, I'm like, I bet I could do October. I bet I could do the whole month of October. So like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do a workout every single day. I'm going to close all three rings for the month of October. And then I was like, oh gosh, I did October. I'm going to do November. I'm like, well, I did November, so I'll do December. And it just kind of like turned into – this thing of like, well, I got one month, I'm going to do another month and like uh, do another one. And so just sort of just this, this achievement uh, sort of mindset. And then I started just noticing that really all I had to do was if I would do a 15 minute workout, cause that's like the minimum. If you've got an Apple watch and you're tracking your activity uh, within the activity app on your phone, then it'll show not only like the three circles for your standing For your calorie burn, your activity, and then for your exercise movements, Uh, those are the three circles. But also, it'll give you this extra green dot kind of in the corner if you did a workout of at least 15 minutes or more. And so this is what I was doing. I was focusing on doing the workouts. And I realized if I did the 15-minute workout, just about anything, if I did like a 15-minute run or if I was cycling for 15 minutes or 15 minutes of strength training – Um, even 15 minutes of yoga, um, or just doing like foam rolling and stretches and like core body exercise, whatever it was, that would be enough combined with my normal movement throughout the day for all three rings to be closed. And I was like, I can do this. I can do a 15 minute workout every day. And then I'm closing all my rings all the time. And it was something that was very top of mind for a long time for me for like almost all of 2019. But I ended up going 365 days, uh, and then actually continued on. Like, did all of 2019 as well, um, and I've actually continued on. I, I kind of missed it, but it's not my fault. Two days ago, my watch died uh, halfway through the day because it didn't charge uh, overnight, and so I was, um, I was on a Zoom meeting with my team when my watch like told me it was uh, about to die and to have it plug in, but my charger was uh, is upstairs in another room. So I couldn't plug it in and I forgot about it. And then, uh, it was dead for the whole rest of the day. So I went to plug it in and I'm like, oh crap, it's dead. Um, but there are some ways you can actually cheat around that. So, uh, technically I've done it every day since my watch, my watch doesn't know it that for one of those days, <laughs> <laughs> but it, so anyways, like recognizing like the minimum amount necessary, uh, to come back to your original question, Justin was, that was huge for me. was recognizing the minimum amount. If I just do 15 minute workout, that's pretty much 99% of the time. That's enough. And then the other thing that's been really helpful for me is just the accountability of having other people that are also doing this. So myself and a couple other guys were part of, uh, we call it like three ring club. Um, And we'll just, you know, share our activity and like high five each other when we complete, um, you know, one of the rings or we do a workout or whatever. And it's really, really dorky and it's very like low key, super, you know, it's not like Um, you know, we're not all best friends or anything like that, but there's just, I know that there's other people that will notice when I complete my rings and they will encourage me and I do the same for them. And just that little kind of tidbit of accountability and community is enough to help keep me going on a daily basis. So those are kind of the two, the two things.
0: That's really cool. I know that, yeah, for me, the community thing is probably the hardest thing to, to get, when i'm trying to develop some kind of a habit or like physical health like that i know like it's just being an adult having kids it's really hard to get schedules and stuff to line up but having something like that where it's digital where it's really low touch for everybody they can kind of go about their days but they can still you can still encourage one another in that process is really cool um I, I got a lot of insights out of that when you were explaining that, so I'm I'm really excited to evaluate what that this might look like for myself. Now, in wrapping up today, uh, I'd love to ask you what one resource has impacted you most personally, and why. I will
1: say right now that here's the thing that's that is most exciting for me right now um, is so I subscribe to Harvard Business Review. Uh, that there's a whole story behind that, but uh, basically, their most recent edition for um, April, May, uh, or May it's May, June, whatever it is. Um, there's a story in there uh, about how to build trust, and I think it's called "Start with Trust" is the name of the article, and it's online too. You can find it on hbr.com. And the in the article, they it's all about uh, leadership development and how to be a better leader. Uh, who is someone who can be trusted? But for me, in like as a blogger uh, and someone with a newsletter, for me, like I don't, I, I do lead a team, but I'm often thinking about uh, just connecting with our audience and the people that read our sites and that subscribe to our newsletters. Um, and like these people are so amazing, and it's like everything hinges on trust, right? Like I want them to trust me. Uh, obviously like that's helpful <laughs> in so many ways and so right. I've been thinking about this related to to building an audience and in this article they they talk about um, how to build trust and they're like there's they call it the trust triangle and just so fantastically laid out but basically they're going there's three components to trust there's one two, three, and it's um, authenticity that people believe they are um, interacting with the authentic you that you are being, you know, candid and transparent with them. Like this is the real version of you. So people got to believe that you're authentic. They have to believe that you have empathy, that you actually care about them and their needs and not just yourself and your needs, that you have empathy toward them. So they got to believe that there's empathy. And then they also have to believe in your logic and your reasoning skills that they believe that you are someone who not only can do what they say they're going to do, like you're going to do it, but also you've put in the due diligence and you've made a logical decision, the best decision that you can. And so they trust your logic and they trust your reasoning uh, and they trust your ability to follow through. So, or they believe in your ability to follow through. So when you have these three, all three of these, then you have trust. And So I've obviously like thinking about that in context to leadership, uh, of my own team, but also in just developing relationships, uh, with our readers on the website. And I'm like, everything that we do, um, not just, you know, the newsletters that I write myself, but as a team and the articles we're creating and the courses that we create, how can we make sure that we're, we're, um, being as authentic as we can and that people believe we're being authentic and then how can we make sure that we're, uh, people believe that, that we've done our research and that we're, our logic is sound? And how can they believe that we are, truly have their best interests in mind? And uh, just making sure that you communicate that. Because often those things exist. It's like, of course, I want to be authentic. Of course, I have empathy. Of course, I've done my due diligence. Like, I see it. But is there a failure to communicate it, and if our audience doesn't see it, then what are we doing wrong that that it's not coming across the way that we want it to and and trying to figure that out so uh so anyways, that's something that's really impacted me personally recently. It's my top right now
0: <laughs> that's awesome. All right. So last thing today, Sean, I know you've got a bunch of awesome resources and it's my understanding that, uh, I believe the margin course is opening up very soon here. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what the margin course is since we talked a bit about margin today and, and maybe why that might benefit them?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, this is a huge one for us and, uh, something that we've kind of been noticing with our audience and a lot of questions and, and things like that we get from folks is just around this topic of like margin. And how do you, uh, is it, the, how do you get more breathing room in your life? And so we kind of had this approach where, uh, we've kind of discovered and, and, and kind of implemented ourselves. Like there's two key like ways that you're able to get breathing room back in your life. And, uh, cause the whole idea of margin is it's like that space right? It's the space between where you hit like your breaking point, And it's like, I can't go any further. And then what you actually like your load, like what you're carrying. And so like, if you think about with your finances, the like, let's say your monthly expenses are $5,000 a month and your monthly income is $4,000 or sorry, the other way around your monthly expenses are 4,000 a month. Your income is 5,000. You have that 1000 of margin. That's your breathing room uh, with your finances if you're if you flip flop it then you obviously have zero financial margin you're you're literally living in debt so it's that breathing room so for us we've discovered there's two ways to uh, incorporate margin back into your life or to restore that breathing room and the first one is to increase your capacity so if you are just barely making it paycheck to paycheck then the best way one of the best ways to r- restore financial margin is to make more money like increase the amount coming in. Um, Another way is to decrease your load, which would be like reduce spending in this context. So we talk about how to do that, uh, not just for your finances, but for your emotional health, for your creativity, uh, for your time, uh, for your physical health as well, these different areas of our life where we need that breathing room. So kind of explain this and walk you through that process of how to uh, get back that margin in each area of your life. Um, and so actually, yeah, it's available now. And actually we're doing a huge, uh, like we've reduced the price significantly just because we know a lot of folks, um, in this season, it's, uh, it, it's, a things are a little bit more difficult, you know, speaking financially. So we actually have reduced the price quite a bit, uh, for everybody right now. And if you go to the slash margin, then that's where it is.
0: Well, there you have it. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today, Sean. Uh, Before we exit, I just wanna let our listeners know of two special things. First and foremost, if you're interested in signing up for the margin course, there will be a link in the show notes. The course is opening up on June 3rd. Additionally, the Suite Setup just launched a brand new course called Simple Habits. I had the opportunity to do a habit interview for this course And it's a really great resource if you want to get started simply in developing better habits. We're doing a giveaway of one free copy of the Simple Habits course. All you have to do to sign up is head on over to weeklyreviewchecklist.net, sign up for our newsletter, get our free guide to an effective weekly review. We'll close the signups on June 15th anybody on our mailing list as of June 15th will be eligible for the giveaway. So be watching for an email around that time. Signups close June 15th for one free copy of the Simple Habits course. You can find a link to purchase the course below in the show notes as well. That closes out today's episode of Remotely Working. Check out remotelyworking.net to subscribe. Give us feedback three ways. At message us on Twitter at Effective Remote. Use the Twitter hashtag AskERW or email us at hello at effectiveremotework.com. For more free resources designed for remote workers, head on over to effectiveremotework.com. My name is Justin DeRose and this has been Remotely Working.